Hey everybody, it's Bowen here, and this is part of a series of conversations that I started along with my writing site, which is called Decide Nothing on Substack. The podcast now has a life of its own as brothers and teachers. The mission of the show is to honor people, especially men, who embody positive presence, who have been teachers, who I love and respect, and who I want the world to get to know more deeply. Today I'm talking with Fernando de Sousse, Managing Director of the New Macho Strategic Division at London-based brand marketing agency BBD Perfect Storm, whose mission is to help brands grow through positive gender narratives. Along the way, Fernando led a radical repositioning of Unilever's Axe brand and has worked with many other global brands to help them stay relevant, dispel negative cliches, and redefine how they approach and understand masculinity. It took me a minute to remember how I came across Fernando's name, but it was originally from a blog post that Loic Lemur did with Michael Katz about what he calls dream yoga. I looked up Michael Katz's name, I came across a podcast interview that he did on a show called Mantor Shift. And then from looking through other episodes of that podcast, I came across Fernando's name and the work that he's doing, which looked very interesting to me. I reached out on LinkedIn and now he's on the show here. Fernando's accent can be pretty tricky to understand. So in this case, I have provided the full transcript of our interview on the episode page at decidenothing.substack.com. It is well worth the slight extra effort in listening, as Fernando is working at the cutting edge of masculinity, identity, and gender. And he kind of blew my mind with what's going on today in the world of brands, advertising, and marketing, and how some brands are taking the lead in moving towards a more sustainable relationship with customers and in helping to inspire people to come into better relationship with themselves. Speaking of which, this is the first episode of Brothers and Teachers that is coming out under that new name. And since it's now available on all the podcast players, some of you may be hearing this without knowing about my writing. If you're interested in what you hear today, please do visit decidenothing.substack.com and subscribe to get updated whenever I publish new writing or podcast episodes. As you listen, you might scan the questions in the show notes, or at least consider just one, which is, what does identity mean to you in the context of gender? And where do you think cultural constructs like masculinity and femininity are headed? I'd love to hear from you after you listen, and you can subscribe, recommend, share, and comment at the bottom of this page or in whatever app you're listening with. Fernando is doing important work in bringing the conversation around evolving masculinity into the very powerful realm of advertising and marketing. He's someone whose work I respect, who is speaking up with his own voice as a new man, and who I want to get to know more deeply. All of which is why I've invited him to be with us here today. Fernando, so great to have you with me. So really, first question, how did you come to be doing this? What inspired you as a marketing person, a brand strategist, to bring this point of view about the new man and involving masculinity into your work? Yeah, it's, so it's uh, like when you can 
join the dots from the past, like Steve Jobs said. I worked 18 years in a company called Unilever, quite famous big company. It's later that I work most of the time either in brands that talk to men or brands that then I launch a men part. So I work for the men plus care three years and then nine years for Axe. But also I work for Swap and launch Swap Men in Argentina. What got me the attention is something that happens in parallel. That is my middle age crisis. At the moment, my assignment was to reposition the Axe campaign, the idea, what, what the brand stands for. In the past, the brand was super clear. It has a promise that was called the Axe effect. When you wear the fragrance and then you get as many women as possible. Then we realized that this wasn't working with the same traction anymore. And this yeah. was the year 2013. So we did a deep research to understand where men were across the globe in 10 countries. We talked to 3,500 guys. And in the output we got for that study, there was a slide that I really engaged to, really resonated with me that says men are performing their masculinity and not leave it. Yes. And I said, I see this all around. We don't need to go to China or in the States. It was all across the globe, but also I was seeing in Iran. I said, yeah, that is true. So men are, men are performing who they are, not their masculinity. And I said, something is very weird and we need to do something about it. And this is how that changed the brand. And we went for a place that we transformed how the brand communicate with men that was through attraction in a very singular way. So attract as many women as you can and as a conquering game, you conquer women. And we move that to a connection game where we invite men or we show men that their most attractive is when they are who they are and they need to embrace that and we will give a set of products to enhance that. And we have proof of that. We tested also, we asked women and men and it was very clear. We asked guys, okay, what thing that makes you more attractive in the eyes of women? And they would tell us be muscular or be fit, show off wealth and behave in a manly way. Mm -hmm. But when we asked women what they like most about men, mm -hmm. they told us men that are confident being who they are and they make the, the laugh. Have humor. Yeah. It was very clear and I need to change that. This is the Axe body spray, right? That's what you're talking about. You said it wasn't working anymore. And I just want to clarify, not that the Axe body spray wasn't working anymore as if it ever worked in the first place, but that the message wasn't working with men anymore. I remember this from this interview that you did with Mickey, that you talked about changing the operating principle of this campaign from an attraction game to a connection game. And I just thought that expression was so beautiful. Yeah, the way we say it is more for, for a conquering game to a connection. Yes, thank you. And we've continued. It was a connection game between equals. It's regarding mm -hmm. the gender, so everything in the same level. And the interesting part is that it's not only a message that relaxes either the opposite sex or another gender, but your parent. It relaxes the person that is in generating that. Absolutely. As you said, it becomes a game, which can't be a very positive thing. The game of life, a game between equals, and a game not about conquering or about dominating or even winning. It reminds me of this concept from this book, the courage to be disliked, which talks about this concept of keeping relationships horizontal as opposed to relationships with verticality. It's very much the same thing. It's about equality. This was the beginning. So you asked me how it started. And I asked that 
after relaunching the brand, I said, okay, there's a lot of work to do. I started digging on what was happening and two major conditioning amongst others that men were having and young boys were the first conditioning when we are six, seven, eight years old on what is being a man and man don't cry and put yourself together. That part that boys absorb consciously and act accordingly mm-hmm. to keep their parents happy and, um, and be part of the male cohort. And that with time, the problem that have is that this repression of certain behaviors and exacerbation of others make that, that in beginning is conscious, then become unconscious. And when we are just young adults, we disconnect emotionally. We don't understand very well where we are. But the one that I found super interesting is the one that follows that, the second big conditioning for me that was, okay, once we are young adults or teenagers and we aspire to be a successful man, how does it look, look like? And mm-hmm. still today, it's very narrow. Um, when men work for what they have on how they look and not mm-hmm. much of who they are. And that marketing can change because mm-hmm. marketing can build as an aspiration of men and actually is part of the problem, marketing and the media on how we show the aspiration for men. But we can open that, mm-hmm. showing a bigger scope that represents different values for men that could be uh, and bring the inspiration because if a brand that has certain respect starts showing different type of masculinities, that will be accepted in the way, the same way they did with different standards of beauty for women or different genders expressions or different abilities more recently. This relationship leads me to a couple of questions. Perhaps first to go back to how your personal evolution relates to where you found yourself professionally. You mentioned midlife crisis or midlife moment. Was there an awakening for you personally in terms of your own masculinity and your understanding of yourself that contributed to this direction of interest in your work? Yeah. So I think it was that I had everything. I had the work I dreamt of. I was working on that. I was living abroad that I really have my wife, one kid, but something was missing. I read, so it was that call that, that you get uh, at that stage. It doesn't matter if you get what you want or not, because many people, as we build aspirations in a way that is a ladder that we need to grow and they get that, mm-hmm. the ones that don't get it, it says, I'm not unhappy because I couldn't get what I want. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. If you are performing who you are, because even though you get it, it will feel empty. Yeah. And that was the call. One day I was walking in the Cotswolds here outside London, in the countryside, feeling not very good. I sat on a bench by myself looking at the woods and this is where the lightning came. I, that moment I realized I need to leave. I didn't know where I have to go, but I need to do it. I need to do it, leave. And it wasn't immediate. That was 2014. It took me three years to leave. But from there, that day, the plan started. And was that when you had the inspiration to create this agency focused specifically on new masculinity? No, uh, the answer simply is no. And this is very because at that moment I felt the need of starting the transformation. But mm. as I did a breakthrough transformation, it wouldn't be breakthrough if I would see it immediately what I have to do. I understood that I need to plan for change. And that change required a change in behaviors and change in beliefs get new insights and experiment mm. something new. And it was a, a long journey when I prepare in terms of get some money out before jumping in, get the conditions. Then when I left the company, I studied things. I did coaching. I tried with leadership development. I saw that coaching was very interesting. was one-to-one. When I get leadership development, 
the type of leaders I faced were very difficult to transform and ask for change because they were very successful and very close. For and then I in a trip again in the nature in Scotland is where mm. New Match appears. And I said, okay, I was leaving marketing aside. I need to get marketing back because yeah. that will give me the scale. Mm. And this is when by talking to a friend of mine and a company called BBD Perfect Storm that is in London, mm -hmm. we decided together to start working on this. Amazing. Great. Great. And just to stick with that for a moment, your personal transformation there, as you said, you felt a call and you didn't know the answer yet. You didn't know the direction that you would go, but you knew that you needed to go in a new direction and that it felt to plan for change. And it sounds like nature was a big part of that experience. Yeah. It's sort of thing that I joined in the dots from the past and I have a call for nature now. So something mm -hmm. is there. Mm. I've heard you mention men's work before in some context. Was that also part of this process for you? Yes, of course. Part of the preparation was not only money. Part of the preparation was getting the courage and psychological sustain. I am from Argentina, so the good thing there is that... Lots of therapy. There's a lot of therapy. And there is <laughs> not seen as something bad, but something that helps you to grow. My mother was a therapist and so on, so I had a therapist. Yeah. Then I started to open up. And then I took, I have a very good mentors. That I don't know if they were mentors, but they are the, the guides that helped me to pass through this. I have a coach that helped me to get the courage. I have another leadership development writer friend mm -hmm. that also gave me a lot of tools to cope with change and mm -hmm. transformation and help me to understand how is the natural way of transformation that this is very useful for men to understand mm -hmm. where I am in this path mm -hmm. because it gives me certainty that I am walking the path. Yes. And then I met Kenny, that is a guy that also has been working with men in men groups for more than 20 years. And mm -hmm. I started getting in with him and understanding in his group how other men were thinking outside of my small corporate circle. All of that work. Plus, I went to with Mexican shamans. So open, really open. I was really in a moment of opening. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that was certainly part of my experience too in the corporate world. I had my own company for many years and it was a fantastic experience. And interesting, successful, fulfilling in many ways, but I did not have the kind of personal connections myself in that realm that were inspiring and helping me to flourish and grow personally. And it wasn't only men's work, but certainly men's work was a big part of that for me. So fantastic to hear a little bit about that, about your journey. Yeah, um, this work gave me not only insights about where men were in a different mm. environment, but also connected me with the power of men. Yes. I've been in a, with the guys from Rebel Wisdom that are guys that, that work with masculinity as well. And I went to a retreat with them and they call it vitamin M. And it's true when you are in a circle that you hold the space and men open up and sustain each other is something I think we lost for quite a generation or two or more. Yeah. And that was new for me. It was very powerful. That's yeah. Great to hear. I experienced the same thing. I think there's something very simple about being invited and inviting oneself to participate in a group of other men. And that's the choice I made as well at a certain point, I was, that I was missing this vitamin M in my own life, and I went looking for it. 
And not only in men's work, but certainly that was part of it. And people talk about initiation and these other kind of rituals or processes that can be part of men's work or, or not. But for me, the foundation of it is simply participating, joining, being invited into a group of other men and experiencing directly, as you said, the power of men and therefore some of my own power as a man. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's not necessary to have a group of men. It's the conditions that men are under. No, I, I play all my life soccer and I have very good friends there and I have very a good fun banter all the time, but I didn't felt the energy, energy when we were present together, open and in circle, something like really, even I couldn't got there in Zoom. Have to be yeah. yeah, there's an intentionality, certainly. Again, which is very simple. To set the intention, I often do it at a dinner party, for example. It's just the difference between a conversation that just happens at random versus a conversation that happens with a little bit of intention to go deeper. Just to sum up on, on men's work, people ask me, what is men's work? What's it for? How do you define it? And I just describe it as a place and a way to practice connecting. Yeah. Is there a simple short definition that you have no i think it is what we need so if you tell me what men need now is that this reconnection connecting with the self because we are moving from that performing that i described before to being and this is the journey we are under it's not just understanding the journey but part of the journey is reconnecting with myself because i don't know me i have i am emotionally detached for mm -hmm. many years and when i recover the masculine energy to start doing from there because yeah. some for many people the story ends up in being vulnerable and emotionally or connecting more with the feminine compassion mm -hmm. and empathy care but it doesn't finish there right. when you are there you need to grab that and do something get them in back mm -hmm. and do the change through there from my point of perspective, not through the compassion, from the empathy, from the gap, but from there, move. Yeah, to integrate these different elements into a more complete being. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. To go back to your work then, I read what your client, Carlos Gill at Unilever, said about your work. What he said is, you've allowed our brand to be part of the change we want to see in men and their place in society. And that's really beautiful praise from a client and also very illuminating, you know what I mean? To hear a corporate client say that there is a change that they want to see in men. Really fascinating because of course, as you pointed out earlier, the relationship between marketing and identity is complicated and fraught. That is marketing has often in the past served to narrow our identity. And it's, of course, helped to create the man box as it did for women as well. And so what role does marketing and advertising have to play in society and how can that role be more positive? Yeah, I think I can start with the example of, uh, of what happened there, no? the one you just read. So the brand Men Plus Care have a care there in the center. And when they approached us, they told us, look, we have a problem that is men don't care about care and we want them to care about care. Not just in a care, but also openly care because we want to get meaning and we want men to care for themselves and others. The problem that happened is that in the man box and the mantra of being a man, care, when we asked them, they told us, no, care is a feminine trait or something mm -hmm. that is self-indulgence. So what I, in terms of self-care, what I would self-care, whether care my myself. 
And we said, okay, but men are dying earlier than women, mental health, violence, drug abuse, and all of the things that we know that are affecting more men than women. Mm -hmm. Despite this, it's not a competition. They have to be for, we want the best for men and women. The thing is, we needed men to care for themselves. And when we asked them, okay, we understand why you don't care for yourself. So tell me, what do you care about? And the first thing they would say is, I care for my family. Perfect. So we needed to understand that they need to care for themselves to care better for the family. So we did a survey with Equimundo that is based there in the U.S., uh, working mm-hmm. on masculinities and gender, and Unilever, and we got data from the U.S. that showed that when men care more for themselves, not just physically, but also emotionally and socially, the more they care for their loved ones, and more people, and more hours. So then we have something that marketing can say, that is when you're caring for others, start by caring for you. It makes sense. But going back one level, how did Dove come up with this idea that they needed men to care more for themselves? They came up with this brand concept, Dove Men Cares or Dove Cares or something. So where did that idea come from? They are different type of brands. Of course, this brand is a brand that sells personal care products. So mm-hmm. they would say, we want men to care more for them to care the skin. Mm-hmm. But that is a little bit more than that. At Unilever and other companies, they have demonstrated that brands that have certain purpose or grow by helping the society and the environment to grow mm-hmm. have more sustainable growth over time. More brand love and more growth. Yeah. So this is why that brand in particular was looking for a space that bring its products benefit to life, but also at the same time to do good. Brands have in general something that is called brand say, what they talk about and the brand do. What is the change they are carrying? In that case, the change they were carrying was bringing that message and start working with fathers and working in different ways to give a space for men to care for themselves, for the benefit of I'm not a brand guy. My involvement in the media world came from the publishing and technology side. But this relationship between marketing and culture and identity and brands is very fascinating to me. And what you've just described is like an inversion, a reversal of the classic kind of targeted marketing. We're going to create a product and we're going to figure out how to sell it to people. It's a reversal of that to, okay, we came up with this cool brand concept, Dove Cares, but there's some real substance to the care. And it's based on the idea of doing something purposeful and meaningful. And then how does that translate down into products? And okay, sure, you sell men face cream as part of that, but there's a mission. There's a mission in there. And this is the power of a brand. So many things can be copies of how much you can differentiate in the shampoo you have, creams, snacks, beverages. So the, the differentiate in a world that changing that fast and the technology we have today lasts very little in time. It could be copied very fast. So what brings the difference is the brand and the, if you have good quality and the brand is the emotional relationship you generate with the person that is buying it certain space so what do you do with that emotional space how do you transform that emotional space in a way that the the society needs 
it, how you can really add value apart from the product you sell. And there are people that believe in that and people that not. We have data that shows that the brands that are doing it well benefit from it. At this point, we should know intuitively, but we also have evidence that brands that actually do meaningful things realize more long-term value. And I think you said this earlier, brand love. Is that what you said? More brand yeah. love? Brand yeah, love. yeah, that's sweet. Because a lot of us, myself included, to have this idea that marketing is sort of inherently evil. And I have said for years that advertising is obsolete. And I'd love to get your take on this, that perhaps we could just turn advertising off. All of it, right? Like, why do we need advertising? Because, of course, if I actually need something, I'm going to go find it myself. Now, of course, advertising is a big part of how capitalist economy works. As a thought experiment, what if we just turned it off? And all that effort went into something else. Yeah. You are not alone. 70% of the people, or actually not 17% of the people, but people say that if there are 70 or 75% of the brands disappear in media from one day for the other, nothing would change. But there are brands that make the difference. What a brand does is give you information. Okay, maybe invest a little bit more and buy something that I know that is a good quality or I share the values or just because I love it. And this is why brands are investing but it's true that lazy marketing is invisible and more more now now with all of the channels you have the amount of information you receive per day if you don't mm. stay really meaningful at the right time in the right place you disappear yeah immediately yes yes i think that you're right about that and i think that is a very positive change that people have much more choice and more immediate choice these days and so they will react very quickly and move towards what is actually meaningful to them. To get back to Mindy, I do absolutely feel, share the feeling that something really is changing with men and with masculinity, much as it has for women in such a big way over the past several decades. You have named this division that you run, the new macho, and it's all about helping brands to work with men, understand men, and to further the conversation about what is the new masculinity. And so what is your take on that? Where do you feel that masculinity is going? Just to say one more thing, for me, one thing is that a greater wholeness, a better view of what it means to be a man is a big part of that. But part of what happens there is that as our conception of what it means to be a man or a woman gets broader, it gets closer and closer to what it means to be a person, yeah, of course. right? And less different. And that, that's perfectly fine. But that then leaves us again back to the question of, okay, so what does it mean to be a man if it's a lot like being a person? Yeah. And I wouldn't care about that. that. So I think femininity and femininity are things that we used to synthesize, to summarize the world. So, mm -hmm. of course, mas men have masculinity and femininity in different degrees. Where we are going is from the place to perform it to the place of being. In that place of being that you very well as presence is from there when you can then engage with certain attitudes that we may call masculine or feminine to respond to a situation that happens. And this is what I, what I like to think that we are going to an individuation. We are going to understanding ourselves, detach from the situation, be present, get the tools, not just one set of tools, several, where we can choose from to respond to something, drive change or whatever we want to do. I think, honestly, I think men are doing the journey. What I don't see maybe is media and brand communication following 
because mm -hmm. we've dated on that as well. Mm -hmm. And what would happen? Politicians are not following as well. So what do we do? Some of them. So what do we do? We will regress or we will shape the other. And I'm working certainly in trying not just working with brands, but also working to move the, get the attention mm -hmm. of industry mm -hmm. to these things and drive change on how we can help men in this journey that they already started yes. to facilitate them and not regress. It's yes. not easy. You said it's not easy. Yes. And nobody wants to be alone. We want to feel like we have companionship and support and feel resonance of who we are being with others. Uh, like it or not, brands are a big part of our world. And brands can be a huge expression of identity. It's part of our cultural identity. And so it can be a very beautiful thing. And so I really appreciate that aspect of the work that you're doing. As we work with aspiration, you can be in a brand saying, okay, I will read where men are and then that, or you can sense where men are going to or represent that. I agree. It's putting something out in front and taking a leadership position. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So part of, back to this question of where masculinity is headed, you've used this term of the man box, which is often used to describe the narrow conception of masculinity that comes from a kind of patriarchal and performative history. You've also talked about the trap of progressive masculinity. And if you could just talk about that a little bit and about what's the opposite of the trap. This is, yeah, that's very interesting. There is a man box that is not serving men or boys. This is even costing society and there are studies from Mundo yes. that quantify that. That, this is the traditional masculinity. So the counter movement of that was we need to be more progressive and we need to realize that men can be everything they can be, but the traditional one. And then you started to create a sort of conservative progressive battle that doesn't exist because we are traditional for some things and progressive for others and we cannot be in box. So what happened when we being a man before maybe was constraining men, but was very clear and it was a set of rules that were clear. When those rules were broken and open, immediately we went to say, okay, what is the new playbook? There's no playbook. You write the playbook. So we go for rules to, there's no rules, but the ones you make. And this is the journey, this is the difficult part. And this is something that it's not easy to do. So many men today feel lost. I was in an interview last week before the Brazilian elections. Why Johnson can be appealing to men? Because they said, okay, I give you the playbook back. Yes. And it's not that those men are bad people or evil or silly. It's they are lost and they need something that, even though it's imperfect, can help them to recover some more clarity. The feeling of being lost can be a very desperate place and it can lead to a lot of frustration and anger. And people like Bolsonaro and Trump, etc., they express and embody that frustration and anger. And I think that's a big part of the reason why a lot of people identify with them. And there's a reason that men are frustrated. As you just said, they're lost. All the rules are gone. We broke the rules, but we are not giving the tools. Yeah. Because if we break the rules, we need to give the tools. I always said the same. One guy I was talking in a focus group, and I asked about meaning. Because mm -hmm. men are craving for meaning. They want to mm -hmm. do work that brings meaning. And I said to him, why would you do a more meaningful job? And he told me, yes, of course, I would like to engage into a more meaningful career. But people judge me for the car I drive. So this is where we are. But if for both sexes, the disconnection. We were working also for a dating app very recently 
mm. Europe, talking to men and women, men were lost saying that we don't know what to do if we need mm. to pay the bill, ask for a kiss. What are the limits? And women were in the same place. Yes, See, yes. I want men to don't ask me what they need to do because right. I think all of this pressure that men are having about the progressiveness come from media. Nobody asks us women. Mm. So if we don't give the tools mm. of how to navigate, how to recover judgment, to reconnect with yourself, men will continue being lost. And with that, all of what you said, that is where we are very comfortable talking about it. Because we are very comfortable talking about symptoms of these engaged, disconnected men. We talk about violence, sexual harassment, depression, anxiety, excessive sport, workaholic, alcoholism. So these are the symptoms. The root issue is another one. What I was thinking while you were talking about that is that for me personally, it comes back to identity. And so much of what we've grown up with and had in the past about whether it's unity or femininity is a hegemonic definition that comes from outside of ourselves and is external and is not about identity and is it's performative. We perform some act so that we can pass as a man, for example, and that gives us some feeling of identity, but it's not grounded in our own identity. And so the real challenge is to get to a place where, you know, again, whether we're talking about men or women, where we have better tools to understand ourselves so that the question of masculinity or femininity or whatever entity becomes less important, actually. Some of the most beautiful and meaningful definitions or redefinitions of, for example, masculinity that I have read recently have come from Grayson Perry, right? Yeah. They're in the UK. And uh, he basically says masculinity should be whatever you want it to be. Another definition comes from David Bookbinder. He says, we need to get to the place where we're ready to abandon the idea that men must conform to a certain model of the masculine if they are to be counted as men, because that is what we have had to do, is earn our place as a man by doing some specific things, and come to recognize that masculinity is simply the totality of how all men might choose to enact socially the fact of their maleness, which is very vague, but it comes back to identity, right? And individuality. And I go back to the tools. What are the tools? Education. Yeah. How I've been educated? By yes. following a curricula that I need to attach to. Nobody raised me as grow my own interests and understanding who I am. What is the world I want to see? What is the difference I want to make in the world? Yeah. With work, we have fixed ladders. And this is where, again, brands can work because brands can give value to that aspiration. As we look what happened with COVID, all of the sudden nurses, mm -hmm. and many nurses, became something very aspirational but valued by society. This is an example of how culture can give certain tools for men and women to feel validated on their own individuality by following and being who they are. Related to that, can you give some examples of people that are embodying a positive and a new masculinity who do you see as examples? Yeah. One that I talk a lot is David Attenborough. He's an elder guy and he's been working for a long time on how he can live a better world that he received. Yes. And regarding his age, he's continue doing the effort in a very engaging way. I think there are men that are breaking the mold. I don't know the name of the owner of Patagonia, but doing mm. 
by saying, okay, my main stakeholder is the earth, so we give my company to the NGOs that are really making the difference there, bring a new perspective of desperation, breaking what is not serving to the system. Yes. That is mm. the three months, three months profit and loss mm. for open companies. So these are the things that I, I really value, man. The system is in crisis. Now we have mm-hmm. a crisis, so the system is in crisis for a long time. So we need to design the new. This is what we need to do. And these people that are showing different perspectives on how you can drive change in an aspirational way are the yeah. ones that feel attractive to. And at macro level, I think these two are great examples of service and change and not small talk change. All actions that come from compassion and care for the planet in this case. And I would imagine this is not easy for them to do. It's not I certainly agree with your examples and the principles that they illustrate of service and generative action generative at a very large scale and also generative not only in terms of equality for humans but also in terms of our relation to other species and to the planet and acting it acting it in the sense of what is the integration of both that warrior that links with the compassion and drives the change we need because the systems are suffering environment and people are suffering yes yes absolutely one of the other beautiful definitions of masculinity that I have come across lately is from another writer that I respect a lot, Kim Stanley Robinson. And he talks about masculinity moving from dominance to resistance. The thing about patriarchal masculinity is that it offers this promise of what's been described as a lottery ticket, you know, that as a man, there's this promise that you you might get power, wealth, status, just because you're a man. The problem is almost nobody wins the lottery. And so many men end up disappointed, angry, alienated, frustrated, etc., especially if, if they remain complicit or subordinated to the system. And that is what leads us to resistance, right? To resist that system and work against it and find something different outside of it, larger than it, new and more valid really in the present and in the future. So what are you working on now that's new and interesting for you? Yeah, on the brand front, we are working with the brand in against uh, gender-based violence in Mexico that is quite high. Next week, I'm going to be on a panel in a Stereotype Alliance Global Summit that is in the UN headquarters in New York. We are working with Mr. Porter, that is a brand that aggregates and sells luxury products for men on a survey on understanding success and happiness and how we can use luxury brands to, to change that. And also I'm working with uh, Equimundo, one program that calls Global Boyhood Initiative, mm. that they go with the Caring Foundation, they launch it together. They go to schools uh, in the UK, US, Italy, France, and Mexico, and talk to boys for to your soul in mm. different themes uh, mm-hmm. across their ages through their teachers mm. about gender expression, gender identity, violence, sexuality, masculinity, all of that. Great, great. That's beautiful to hear. And I have to say, so impressive and hopeful to hear about all this very positive work that you and others are doing with brands as leaders of positive change in our culture. Well done, Fernando. I'm not a father myself, but it very much resonates with me the importance of working with young people, with boys, on the question of who they are becoming and what it means to be a man and what the direction is. You're a father yourself, yeah? Yeah, I have two boys. 
So what do you tell them? I try to listen and be with them and maybe ask questions. The other day, one of my kids that is 12 now, he told me, no, there was this guy that is very annoying. I said, okay, did you ask him what happened with him? Did you tell him that what he was doing mm-hmm. angers you? Because maybe the answer surprised you. Yeah, you might learn something, yeah. And then try to be with them. When I became a father, it wasn't a love of the first sight. It's, of course, I always loved him, but I needed time. And now they grow, the older they are, the more responsibility I feel. But at the same time, the more enjoyable I find the experience. Because I see reflected, I feel surprised, and it's interesting. It's not easy. Yeah, so I've heard. Just the last question then, since you brought in fatherhood, how did you decide to become a father? Was it something that you pursued as a priority or how did that happen? Yeah, my wife is very wise and I learned a lot from her. <laughs> and we talk about it. We talk about it and said, okay, we were like 32, 33. And we said, look, we love each other. It's very likely from statistics that there would be a moment that we split or something that we mm-hmm. grow in different paths. Are we mature enough to understand if we are bringing a son to the world or a daughter to the world? That should be mm. at the center of our attention, even though our life goes different ways. We wanted to have kids and we were getting an age. So what yeah. we wanted to be sure was having a contract of saying we understand the responsibility that is this. Yes. And two individuals, like mm. her and myself, could in the future grow in different directions and split, would always be mature enough to agree that we need to take care of that person. I see, yes. I don't know how serious would be, but that conversation existed. We needed that. We needed it. I don't know why. That makes sense. So you both knew that you wanted to become parents and you discussed the meaning of that in the context of your relationship over the long term. Yeah. Yeah. Did you always know that you wanted to be a father as a younger person? Yes. The answer is yes. I never doubt it. But when I became a father and realized what it means, I started to respect more people that decide not to have kids. Maybe... It's consistent with what I said, understanding the responsibility of bringing a person to the world. And I know people that wanted to have kids and couldn't, but this is different. I know people that decided not to have, and much more now than before. Yeah. And I found that very brave because of the social pressure. I was talking the other day with a lady that is come from India. Imagine an Indian family, and she decided yeah. not to have a family and said, I don't want, I agree with my husband, but both don't want. And mm. that cost me the rejection from my in-laws. Yeah. That I am the disgrace for the family. So the bravery of this generation that is mm. open in the game, we couldn't mm. have an eternal growing population. It's killing it's us. A, it's a good point, yes. And the ones that break the, the inertia and said, this is what I want you to do. And then, of course, open other points of care. So these people in general, in most of the cases, are very creative and do what they love because they have less financial pressure yeah. and not the frustration of I tried but I couldn't, which is something that they have to be worked on. Yeah. Opens a new set of population and culture that is reaching certain critical mass now. And we need to listen and see what happened there. Thank you. That's a very positive point of view and also very refreshing. It helps me as someone who has chosen not to be a father for several of those reasons, but it also comes with a cost. It comes with the knowledge of and the feeling of loss. And you pointing to the generative aspect there is very helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. I didn't know that the, the, the whole story, but I really believe so. And I mm. respect a lot that. And this is when we 
maybe too close, but if we are mm -hmm. saying being a man is what you want to make about it, mm -hmm. that also needs to encompass not being a father, at least a biological father or mm -hmm. an adoptive father, but you can act as a father of people without being father. Yes. And, and that is fine. That is, doesn't make you less as a man or less mm -hmm. as a woman, because if we feel it as men, women feel it twice. And we need to respect that. When I was talking with this lady the other day, I was honestly humble about the braveness. That's brave because one thing is doing it in London or in California and the other is doing it yeah. from Indian roots. Well put. Thank you. Thank you. Fernando, what a pleasure to meet you and speak with you. Thank you so much for the time. Always learn from these things a lot. So thanks for your time and your interest. Great. Thank you again, Fernando. A real pleasure. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please have a look at the questions that I posted at the bottom of the show notes and consider commenting with your own thoughts on what we discussed in the episode. I'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe, recommend, share, and comment all right at the bottom of the page at decidenothing.substack.com where all of my writing and audio lives or in your favorite podcast app. And, of course, you can also reach me by email or on social media. Thanks again for being here, and I hope you tune in again soon.